So if you're ready, let's turn to Matthew chapter 20, and we will uh, discuss these ideas. Let's pray first, Father, as the scriptures open up to us. Help us to see them. Help us to put them deep within our soul, our hearts, and then help us to accomplish what you're trying to do in us and in our church and in our city. Lord, we want to be like you, and we want to serve like you. So teach us this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 20, verse 20 says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. The mother of Zebedee's sons, Zebedee's sons were James and John. Verse 21 says, Jesus says, What is it you want? He asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. <laughs> Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. All right, first of all, just you've got to take your holy glasses off. You've got to see what's really happening here. These are disciples that have been following Jesus. They're working with him, and it's, it's an impressive thing, and, and they're amazed to be part of this group, and it's so awesome. And one day, James and John, they were called the sons of thunder. Sons of thunder, their mommy comes to Jesus. The sons of thunder's mommy comes to Jesus and asks him to give him a special spot. And then Jesus says, look, you don't know what you're asking. You don't, you don't know what you're desiring. Can you drink this cup? And there, there's the two little boys. I can only imagine they're like, oh, this is more embarrassing than I realized it was going to be. <laughs> and Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. And they can you drink the cup that I'm drinking? And, and they say, we can, we can, we can. We totally can, Jesus. We have a strong mommy. He says, it's not for me to grant. He says, these, these positions, you're going to drink the cup that I drink from, is what he said. You're gonna, you, can, you can only imagine how they felt. You're going to drink the cup that I drink from, but these are positions that my father can only grant. And the fact that you're seeking them means there's something wrong. Verse 24 says, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Now, why would they be so indignant? Why would they be so indignant? Because they wanted the positions for themselves. I can't believe you thought of it first. There's nothing worse than somebody else who thinks of something first and you wanted to do it and then you can't. Jesus called them together. He said, they're all fighting. And said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. He essentially says, look, this is the way the world works. The way the world works is authority is given and officials receive the authority and then they, then they press down on people. They push down on them. They rule, they lord over them. Notice verse 26. If you have your pen, you should, you should underline it. It says, not so with you. Not so with you. This isn't how you function. You don't live in, a, in, in, a, in an environment. You're, this, this is not how you live your life. This is, this is not the atmosphere we're creating 
as we share the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God functions differently. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think greatness is a misunderstood concept in our culture. Greatness. What is greatness in our culture? Is greatness a guy who puts a ball through a hoop? A lot of people think so. Is greatness scoring a goal with your head? Boo! USA plays Portugal tonight. We'll have the game on somewhere here during, uh, during Grow. If you want to come to Grow, we'd love for you to have it. We'd love for you to come and join us. Think about greatness. Is greatness a singer who gets a million votes? Is greatness an actor who can play a character so well that it moves us to tears? Is greatness the ability to survive the political landscape? finally get political office and the ones who last the longest who are the roughest who are the meanest who play the dirtiest finally get to be president I thought that was funnier than you did here's a question is greatness something we're born with or is it forced upon us by tragedy or extreme circumstances Here's the thing. Greatness, according to Jesus, comes with serving. And in fact, according to Jesus, there is nothing wrong with the desire to be great. As long as it is accomplished by being a servant to others. Nothing. In fact, he holds it out there. If you want to be great, the person who wants to be great among you has got to figure out how to be the servant of all. There's a, there's a different thing here. Jesus defines ambition in the kingdom of God differently than we define it in the world. Jesus defines ambition in the kingdom of God not by accomplishments, but by love. By care for others. Albert Einstein said this. He says, a person first starts to live when he can live outside of himself. Now, here's the thing. I think what Jesus is tapping into is the fact that we are all created by God to make a difference in the life of another person. I think this is how we're wired. I think this is how we find fulfillment. I think this is how we live a life that is truly living. I think we're wired up this way. Our lives will never make sense until we find and develop and fulfill this purpose. God has a place where every one of our unique abilities, our passions, are supposed to touch the lives of others. And so the significance in the, of serving in the kingdom of God, here's, here's what it does. The significant serving of, in the kingdom of God, here's what it accomplishes. I think it provides genuine personal fulfillment. Not just good feelings, but actual personal fulfillment because you're tapping into your purpose. Genuine personal fulfillment. I think the second thing it does is it produces authentic spiritual growth. Serving creates an opportunity for you to grow spiritually because most of us don't want to take care of other people. 
I have a suspicion that serving, being willing to serve others, is one of the first steps towards becoming a good disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. It's one of the things that holds community together. It's one of the, it, it, it creates vibrant community health, is the third thing. It creates vibrant community health. When we serve one another, the way you get a healthy family is you teach each other that we're going to have to serve one another. You teach your kids they're going to have to serve their little brothers and sisters. You teach the little kids they have to serve their older brothers and sisters sometimes. You teach the kids they have to serve the parents. The kids watch the parents serve the kids. There is this serving environment, and it holds the family together. And it's not just the community of Christ that we're talking about serving. We're talking about the community of Austin. I mean, let's be real. This list... This list right here of great needs, and by the way, the, the, the big bold ones are the teams in the greatest need. The teams in greatest need. And the ones that aren't, uh, aren't bolded, they, they're just functioning as normal. But here's, 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 what, here's what we realized. All right? I realized that summer's coming. All right? And what happens during the summer? People take, people take vacation, they take breaks. Hey, hey, I want every one of you to take a good vacation. I want every one of us to take breaks. In fact, we're functioning, the way we're functioning as a church, we're building the teams so that nobody gets burned out. That's the desire. Now, some people, they want to serve so often they burn themselves out. Other times, a team is weak and they can't grow, and so everybody just tries to, to, to make sure it happens, and sometimes people burn out and we don't even know it. But the goal of one chapel is that nobody's going to get burned out, but that we will learn the lessons of serving so that our community can grow in discipleship and so it can hold together. Now listen, listen. This list is just training wheels. <laughs> it's not the ultimate goal, actually. This is training wheels. The last thing I want you to be do the last thing I want you to do is be trapped inside the church serving. I want you to serve outside the church. I want you to serve your neighbors. I want you to serve you people at work. I want you to become the servant of people that you come into contact with that are in incredible need. This is just something we do as kind of a baseline to help one another grow together. But the ultimate goal of all serving, I don't care where it happens, is to reveal Jesus. That's what Paul talked about in Philippians 2. If you want to turn over there, Philippians 2 says, 2 verse 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Value others. Oh, are you hearing this? Ouch. Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used. He didn't consider his equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, and being made, found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place 
and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's what Jesus is teaching us. As we see how the Apostle Paul describes him, here's the mindset of Jesus. He took all these steps down. He came from heaven, came to earth, became human, took on the form of a servant, became even obedient to death. Here's here's what Jesus is teaching us. Jesus teaches us, if you want to be first, you must be willing to be last. Okay? If If you want to be first... You must be willing to be, that's what Jesus said in the first passage we read. Paul talks about how Jesus made himself nothing. And what happened? God exalted him and gave him everything. (laughs) Jesus took the place of nothing. And God gave him everything. This principle is all throughout the scripture. You can look at it from Moses to Abraham to David to Peter to to the Apostle John. You can see it all through the scriptures. But here's the thing. We're stuck in a mindset of the world. And the mindset of the world is i got to climb up on people. Look at your little picture there, your little graphic. I want you to look at the screen here. If you got a, you got a little, there you are. See, see, there you are. You're in the world. You're like, yeah, and you got you got a few friends. There you, there's there's your friends. <laughs> Got a couple friends and you're just trying to you're just trying to figure out life and you're trying and oh you're making some more friends but then you realize I got to I got to climb up the ladder, man. I got to climb up the chain. I got to make sure that I that I move up further further. I got to climb up on these people. I got to I got to bust this guy out and push him back down. I got to get up. I got to keep going. I got to keep climbing this mountain until I can finally make it to the top, baby. And once you've made it to the top, then you can dominate. I know, a bunch of you are saying, I don't think like that. I never think like that. No, it's mostly subliminal. It's mostly a way, a way of functioning within our culture. It's a way of thinking that I'm not, at work, if you come upon a person who's not pulling their weight, that instead of helping them and serving them by be, helping them become a better employee, you expose them and let them fall on their face so you can get, you can get the, um, the um, promotion is what I was looking for. See, it happens very subtly. Well, no, they need to pull their own weight, man. No, we're all, this is dog eat dog. Oh, really? Is that what, is that what we're living in? No, you and I live in a different kingdom. You and I live in a different way. We see the world in a different way. We serve people. And here's, here's, what, here's what it should look like when we look at Christ. It's the opposite direction. Christ is serving all of us. He serves every one of us, and he works his way down to serve more and more people. He keeps working his way down to lift people up. Instead of overlording and being authoritarian over people, he goes down in, in culture. He goes down to the least. He, he reaches out to the poor. He reaches down to those who are such in need and destitute. And finally, he's Lord of all because he's gone to the very lowest place. And he he ends up serving the most people. 
Instead of climbing up over people, we should be kneeling down to serve them. The mindset of Christ comes from a proper perspective of his kingdom right here. The mindset of Christ is what we're taking on. That's what Paul said. He said, let this mindset be in you. Let this attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus. That's what he said in Philippians 2. And so we've got to see the right perspective of the kingdom. John 13, and we'll, we'll finish with this story. Jesus is coming to his final days, looking to the cross. And here's what happens. John 13, verse 1, it says, It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. In other words, what, what John is saying is he loved his disciples all the way to the end. He showed them love all the way. Verse 2 says, The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew, now watch this, verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew he had all power. He knew where he was headed. He knew he had all authority. He knew he could say anything. He knew he could get up on that cross and ask the angels to rescue him, and they would. He knew he had all power and all authority, so what did he do? Try to convince the disciples of how awesome it's going to be? Look what he did. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing. Boy, that sounds familiar. You don't really, you're not really getting this. <laughs> you're not really getting how this is working. Jesus said that, his disciple, to that to his disciples over and over again. He says, but lady, you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet, <laughs> Peter. What a goober. <laughs> Jesus answered, he, Peter doesn't get it. He doesn't get it so much. He doesn't get it so much that he thinks, this is the teacher. This is the, the one who's in authority. He can never stoop to the lowest level of the lowest person in the house who washes people's feet when they come in. Peter's like, he can't, he can't, he can't shift. He can't make it make sense. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. I'll get to this in just a second. Unless you let Jesus serve you, you can have no part with him. And once he serves you, something else begins to happen. You begin to take on his nature. You begin to form your life around the fact that he serves you. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who, Peter, he's so over the top. Everything is so over the top. Then give me a bath, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus answered, Jesus says, no, you're, you're missing it, Peter. You don't need a bath, all right? Jesus said, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. He's like, look, Peter, I'm already with you. I've already washed you. You're already doing good. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about my acceptance of you. Okay, get this, get this. We're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about my acceptance of you. I've already embraced you. I've already cleaned you up. Now, 
Look what he says. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he said, do you understand what I have done for you? <laughs> you can imagine the whole table. Do you understand what I have done for you? Uh... <sighs> you know, and then they were given Sunday school answers. You made us clean. <laughs> No, I already told you, it's not making you clean. He asked him, he said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. Watch this. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. He's not talking about cleaning, people, cleaning themselves up. He's talking about an example that we're supposed to follow and an example that causes blessing to come onto our lives. That's what he says here. And he gives the reason. I'm going to give you three ideas. The Jesus model. Here's what it is if you want to fill in the blanks. The greatest honor in the kingdom is reserved for the greatest servants. That's what, that's, that's what happens to Jesus. He had the title. He had the title of all authority. But Jesus chose a towel instead of the title. Hey, that's tweetable, people. Jesus chose the towel instead of the title. But the choosing of the towel is what gave him the title. Power for the most difficult things in our lives. Jesus passes this particular test of serving his disciples. In fact, he serves the feet of the denier and the betrayer. Right here. He already knows they're going to betray him. He already knows Peter's going to deny him. Here's what I always say. Everyone wants to be a servant until somebody starts treating them like a servant. <laughs> I want to be a servant, but man, those people really treat me bad. I mean, the, listen, to be honest, it happens sometimes in church. I want to be a servant, but that, that, that shift leader really treated me bad. I'm quitting. It's over. It's, I'm out of here. This church is ridiculous. Actually, it never happens that quickly. They just gets a hard spot in their heart, and then they, then they leave it. They don't settle it. They don't correct it. They don't get the relationship right, and then it just starts to poison them and poison them. Then something else, a secondary offense happens somewhere else, and little by little, they just back out of the community. I'm not going to be here. I don't want to be here. You hurt my feelings. I'm leaving. That's kind of how it happens. What Jesus is saying here is that taking the lowest position, it's number two, number two, taking the lowest position requires the greatest power. But here's the thing, he wants to give you all the power you need to serve the greatest number of people. He wants to give it to you. 
Peter didn't understand this. He still had a top-down authoritarian view of where the power comes from. The power comes from the top, not from the bottom. No, Jesus is saying all the power comes by going down and serving. Not theology or expertise, but the simple and practical expression of love is what changes the heart. There's people right now back in the children's ministry area, and they're serving our kids. And I walked through there just before I came in here, and they're, you know, around a little table, and, and there's, you know, <laughs> there's stuff happening, and people are screaming, and there's babies that are crying, and they're trying to, to comfort them, and then there's a poopy diaper, and it's, it's, it's a deal. I thank God for those people, and I believe in what God is doing in those people's lives. And I thank God for those people because our children need to be modeled. They need modeled serving, a serving heart, a serving attitude. Number three, the secret to serving is knowing whom you are serving. Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and that's what I am. He said, but I'm telling you, no servant is greater than his master, no, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. What Jesus was saying is, I'm not serving you because of you. I'm serving you because I know I'm serving my father. I'm not just washing your feet. I'm serving my heavenly father, who is the one. I'm just the messenger. I'm the servant. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm not in charge. I'm not the authority. I'm the servant of my Father. And that's why I wash your feet. That is a profound idea. So, you know, some people have selfish serving. They, they do need-based serving, you know, where they, they need to be needed. And they try to get their significance. Or there's esteem-based serving, you know, which is, um, you know, I, I want to be good enough. I really want to be seen. But what happens is, you get burned out with both of those. Need-based serving and, and esteem-based serving doesn't work. Duty-based serving is I should, I know I should. <laughs> if you have duty-based serving, you become resentful. Pastor Ross gave that message and I signed up. Gee whiz, I'm signing up. Okay, fine, fine. You need me to sign up. That's the last thing I want. <laughs> If, if, if that's how it feels to you, then don't, please don't sign up. <laughs> but, if, but, but what I believe is our community becomes what it is because we all embrace a certain amount of serving. And during the summer months, when people are going on vacation, we, we, we start to understand how big or small our teams are. That's what happens. So I'm standing here today saying, hey, some more of you, need to embrace what Jesus wants to do in your life. And you need to join a team. Some more of you need to become the disciple that Jesus is calling you to be. Some more of you need to experience the power that is available for you if you'll kneel down and serve someone. Because the bottom line is all serving must emerge from our relationship with Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. It's really about being connected, being plugged into him. So what should I do? What should I do? Take on the attitude of a servant. Right? It's a Hey, taking on the attitude is a lot harder. I'm starting to lose them. Taking on the attitude... <laughs> taking on the attitude is a lot harder than just doing the job. Uh-huh. 
Taking on the attitude is harder than just doing the job. Anybody can do the job. you got to have the attitude. And that only comes from being plugged into Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he, he, he changes your focus and your perspective. Number two, you got to choose a place to serve regularly. Why? Because I think it builds a lifestyle and a discipline of serving. You're like, Pastor Russ, my family is a regular place. Okay. There is something about the routine of being in community and serving others and this, and this joy of connecting to this greater community and, frankly, to begin to, to, for it to become a lifestyle that you begin to spot it everywhere. At work, in your neighborhood. Number three, you've got to let Jesus serve you because he's the best source for serving. You've got to let him serve you. You got to make time for him to pour himself into you. You got to allow him to give you what you need. He's the best source for you. Close your eyes, bow your head. I want you to think about what we talked about, and I just want you to evaluate your life and your heart and where you are and what's going on with you. If you want to sign up for a place to serve, or at least, or at least be interested, see if the see if the schedule works or whatever. Tonight is Grow 401. It's uh, all the team members getting together, and that's a great place to come tonight if you want to jump in and start serving. Just come tonight at 5.30. But there's a deeper issue here, isn't there? There's the, there's the issue of our hearts, and, and that's really what we want to get to. And if you are living in a way that just seems like you're the center and everybody else revolves around you, or maybe you're fighting with people at work or you're fighting with, struggling with people at home. Maybe you feel just overwhelmed all the time. You just feel like you can never get a break, never get relief. I wonder if you'd be willing to somehow surrender to Jesus and let him serve you today. Let him change your heart and change your focus. Maybe your focus could become him instead of how hard everything is. Or maybe you could allow him to begin to work in your heart so that your, your attitude towards others begins to change. I wonder if you'd join me in praying this prayer. You just pray it under your breath as I pray it. Father, help us to become the people that are marked by love and serving. The family of God that has an attitude that is so profound, it's so obvious that it changes the way people think about you. <laughs> that our lives become representatives of your heart. That we could become servants in our neighborhoods and servants in our, our schools and servants in our, in our environment at work and servants even in our our city that's so needy so that we touch the poor and that we serve those that are in greater need than us because there's always people who are in greater need than we are.